Welcome into the Solo Shot Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Mana. As you can see, another 120 home runs to the Solo Shot Swag Tracker. As of this time, my first TikTok should be posted talking about the home runs from yesterday, Friday night. Definitely, if you're on TikTok, go give that page a follow at Solo Shot Sports on TikTok. It's going to be fun to interact with that community and just continue to share my love for baseball and get this community growing more and more each week. There's a lot of great storylines this week, both past and present, but we have to talk about the man who has put Miami baseball on the map this season. They have been better than I think many people believed, and a big part of the reason why is Luis Arise. I said it during my first episode on the show that I couldn't believe that the Minnesota Twins traded such a pure hitter, a guy who had just came off a batting title for a pitcher. Pablo Lopez has been very good for the Twins. He started off really hot. Now he's about league average in a lot of metrics. But it looked like a win-win trade. Miami gets a bat, and they get a legit top-of-the-line starter. Luis Arise, though, I'm sitting here on a beautiful day, June 10th, 2023, and Luis Arise is batting over 400. I know it's a reach. He'd have to bat. 406 the rest of the season to finish with a season average over 400 but it's pretty special i'm wearing my ted williams shirt as he was the last baseball player to hit 400 over a full season and it's honestly a breath of fresh air i feel like a lot of people are talking about it not so much because they believe that he can actually finish the season with a 400 record but We've been so conditioned in the sport of baseball over the last decade, honestly, to really lean into the three true outcomes, which is a strikeout, a walk, and a home run. Whether the ball's reduced or not, players have clearly been valuing slugging percentage over anything else. And the game honestly changed a lot for a while. The home run numbers are still very high. Don't get me wrong. Slugging percentage, the analytics show that if you slug for a good amount, you're going to put runs on the board and you're going to win games. But a breath of fresh air, a guy who's a true slap ball hitter, a guy that in his first 444 career games is on a similar pace to both Pete Rose and Tony Gwynn. It's great company to be in. It's really fun to watch. Arise because of the COVID shortened season and the age that he came up is a little bit behind the eight ball with those names that I just mentioned that got 3,000 and 4,000 hits respectively and are in the Hall of Fame and many people believe should be in the Hall of Fame. But Luis Arise, 26 years old, the approach that he puts out there, he's just aggressive. He's always looking to make contact. He has more multi-hit games in his career than strikeouts. And he should be easily the all-star starting second baseman. Doesn't do a lot for you defensively. He's not an amazing base runner, but he can hit. 
And it's been really fun to watch. First cycle in Marlins history early this year. And man, he has just been everything the Marlins hoped for. And then some, a big part of the reason why they are where they are in the standings right now. My standings haven't changed too much. I kind of kept the top eight or so the same, the bottom eight or so the same, but there's a lot of movement in the middle and we're starting to get to that point of the year where it's almost the middle of June and teams are going to have to decide, are they pushing to contend and get those wild card spots for the division this year? Or should we sell off the pieces that are expiring or attractive to other teams and try to get, some young players back to develop for the next couple years where we'll have a chance to contend. And Luisa rise, I think is single-handedly making the Marlins who are a team that historically sells off their pieces, a team that might not buy at the deadline, but I don't think we'll sell. It's really fun that NL East, the Mets and Phillies have not been as advertised. The Braves have been in first place the entire season and the Nationals have been in last place. That was predicted. But the Marlins, with a very good pitching staff, with a few guys in the lineup that are hitting very well, I don't think that they're going to be big sellers the deadline. The one name I would watch out for is Jorge Soler, a guy that I think many contenders would love to add. Like I said, the slugging percentage, the analytics love it. If you hit a lot of home runs, no matter the strikeouts, you are a valuable piece. So that's the one piece I could see the Marlins moving, but I think Luis Arise has single-handedly made it where this team's not going to fire sell. If anything, they should be looking to add in the offseason, whether it's another bat, another pitcher, add to that bullpen that is not very good. It's just okay. Uh, but Luis Arise, man, I don't think he's going to hit 400 for the season. It would be really cool to see that. But a guy that is being talked about, and for good reason, and I think is a breath of fresh air in the sport of baseball as we've been obsessed with the home run the last decade. As you can see, the title of the episode is Baseball Giveth and Baseball Taketh Away. There have been a lot of pitching woes. There is expected to be a ton of adjustment with these pitchers with the new rules, especially the pitch clock, having to hurry up their release. But as I've talked about, you've seen the rise of a two-pitch ace, a guy that can go out there, use two pitches, deliver quick, and get through games. But a young pitcher that many picked to be the American League Cy Young winner this season, Mr. Alec Manoa, you see him in my countdown intro video, has number six. I loved his energy, his mic'd up stuff at the All-Star game last year was electric, and he looked to be poised to come into his own as the Blue Jays' true ace this season. But something's not clicking. I don't know if there's an injury. I don't know if it's a mental thing with the new rules, but he's been flat-out awful. Negative 1.2 war, 1-7 record, a 6-3 ERA, and... His FIP is double what his career average is. So it's not just bad luck. He is flat out awful. Leads the league with 42 walks. And you see a guy that 
was poised to be one of baseball's next star pitchers is demoted to the minor leagues, a Blue Jays team that is still well within it, a Blue Jays team that has been very aggressive trying to win in this window, and I think they'll be very aggressive on the trade market, maybe trying to get a Shane Bieber from Cleveland or a Lucas Giolito from Chicago, the two big pitchers that are going to be on the market. This Blue Jays team, they're not a young team anymore. This was a team where you looked at and you're like, oh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, all this youth. These guys are in their mid-20s now. And you have a bunch of win-now pieces around them. George Springer, Kevin Kiermaier, Whit Merrifield. The list goes on and on. You added Chris Bass and Jose Barrios to this rotation. you got to win. And I understand the AL East is tough. I'm not saying you have to win the division. The Rays are very far out in front. But if Alec Manoa is not helping you win games, it sucks. It really does. But this was the right move. Some people say he should have went down sooner. The fact that he's young enough, he has the options. You don't have to put him on waivers. Let him go figure things out. Maybe he needs a change of scenery. Maybe he just needs a different perspective to pitch around these rules. And I think that's all it is because we saw the stuff in 2022. He was truly an ace of a staff. And I have to think that that wasn't a flash in the pan. They were checking for sticky stuff. I don't think it's a sticky stuff thing. I think it's either an injury or something mental with these new rules. He's not used to working this fast. He's got to figure things out. And I hope that he does because we're still waiting for that next generation of pitchers. The generation of the 2000s, these guys that I told you are first ballot Hall of Famers, Zach Greinke, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, all debuting in the 2000s. They're still, except for Granke, some of the best pitchers in the game. And Granke's an average starter. He's not doing terrible things out there in Kansas City. But in the 2010s, there was many young pitchers that popped up. We obviously lost Jose Fernandez, who a lot of people believed could be that next guy. We now have lost Jacob deGrom again, a pitcher who is the same age as Clayton Kershaw, which a lot of people are stunned to believe. He's 35 years old. Having Tommy John, he hasn't pitched over 15 games since 2019. And you saw in his emotional meeting with the press that it it is killing him to not be out there. As a Red Sox fan, I've seen this kind of injury after injury effect on a star pitcher and Chris Sale, another guy that debuted in the 2010s that a lot of people were like, oh, he's on a crazy strikeout path. He could be maybe high 3,000s, pushing 4,000 strikeouts if he stays healthy for his career. He's on that kind of pace. And now Jacob deGrom having the injuries again. Chris Sale's on IL. Another Tommy John for Jacob deGrom. The reason he came up so late was because he was an infielder when he first got drafted. He learned how to pitch. And he didn't just learn how to pitch. He learned how to pitch dominant. One of the lowest ERAs in his prime. One of the greatest run producers in that stretch that we've ever seen in any single stretch. But he doesn't have 100 career wins. He's a guy that's not going to get to 3,000 Ks. And he's got two Cy Young Awards. 
Baseball is better when he's healthy. The Rangers, part of the reason I picked them to make the playoffs is because I expected them to get at least half a season out of Jacob DeGrom. But the other guys have stepped up, and I expect that team to probably add with DeGrom not likely being back on the field until 2025 when he's 37 years old. The thing that we now have to look at Jacob DeGrom, he's a Hall of Fame talent, no doubt. But to maybe get into Cooperstown one day, to have a prayer of that, I think he needs a third Cy Young. I think in one of these last couple seasons in Texas, 25, 26, or 27, he needs to stay healthy for the majority of that season and win a Cy Young award. Because right now, when you look at two-time Cy Young winners that are outside of the Hall of Fame, Brett Saberhagen and Tim Lincecum not, don't just have better cumulative regular season stats, but they also have the postseason that Jacob DeGrom just hasn't gotten. Part of the reason he doesn't have 100 wins is because he hasn't seen a ton of postseason success. Doesn't have World Series rings to kind of elevate his peak case like a Sandy Koufax did. It was the combination of three Cy Youngs, an MVP, and World Series dominance. And then you look at a guy like Johan Santana. He was able to compile way better career stats than Jacob deGrom, two-time Cy Young winner. One and done with the baseball writers. Did not get 5% of the vote to stay on the ballot. Jacob deGrom, I wish you a very speedy recovery. Baseball is better when you're healthy. The Texas Rangers will be even better when you're healthy. But when it talks about Jacob deGrom in the Hall of Fame, it's really going to come down to can he stay healthy enough one of these seasons to get that elusive third Cy Young. Get him out of the pot with the Sabre Hagans, the Lincecums, the Johan Santanas of the world, and put himself in a different peak case. I hope he comes back better than ever. It's going to be hard to do at 37 years old. The elbow, though, it's going to be fresh. It's going to be new. And you just got to hope for the best. It was really emotional hearing his press conference talking about the injury. I saw it with Chris Sale. It sucks to see. And another guy that hasn't been healthy since 2019, Steven Strasburg. Steven Strasburg might be the most hyped pitcher of the 2010s. He was given a major league contract straight out of the draft, picked number one overall from San Diego State to the Washington Nationals. And he delivered on the hype right away. 14 strikeouts in his major league debut. It was one of the most impressive starter major league debuts of all time. Not just that I've seen. And he had trouble staying healthy a little bit early in his career. He was a workhorse pitching and striking out plenty of batters for a stretch there. And he left it all out on the line in that 2019 World Series run, capitalizing it with a World Series MVP and a ring. So I think that the money that the Nationals gave him after that, he earned it. And then some, he likely will not pitch again. It's reported that there is serious nerve damage in his arm and that it's unlikely that he'll be able to build up the requisite strength and ability to throw a baseball at the professional level again. And it's really sad. I, I've seen it now three times. 
Chris Sale, Jacob deGrom, and Steven Strasburg, three guys that came up in the 2010s that were supposed to be that next generation of Hall of Fame pitcher, a guy that may not get 300 wins in today's game, but push for 3,000 strikeouts, win Cy Youngs and championships. And while Chris Sale and Steven Strasburg both have that one ring, it's still not enough where I see any of those three guys getting into Cooperstown when just on an objective talent perspective, the three of them were Hall of Fame worthy. That's why I hope Alec Manoa can make a comeback because you're seeing all these young two-pitch aces today. Maybe Spencer Strider or one of these other young stud pitchers is able to stay healthy enough and rack up the strikeouts and wins and Cy Youngs and postseason success needed. But what is going to be a Hall of Fame pitcher when Jacob deGrom um, doesn't get three Cy Youngs? Are we going to be looking at Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw as the end of an era? Are we never going to have a true workhorse pitcher again that has a long career, storied, multiple Cy Youngs, a championship, 3,000 Ks? Are we not going to see that again? I thought for sure with the amount of strikeouts in today's baseball that we'd see plenty of 3,000 strikeout guys. That, oh, that milestone would never go away. But I think we're going to have to start to reevaluate pitching in this world where they're throwing over hundred miles per hour repeatedly, where the movement on these pitches is insane, where there's a pitch clock and they're being rushed through to keep firing 105 mile per hour pitches. Pitching is an art form. It's something that I truly enjoy to watch. I love offense like everybody else, but when there's a real good pitching duel, I'm not just talking weak contact, but dominance on one or both sides of a pitching matchup, I love to watch it. And seeing these talented guys that were supposed to be the next wave not be able to finish their careers in a strong way, it's just a shame. So I hope that during the rest of this baseball season, when you're missing Chris Sale, when you're missing Steven Strasburg, you're missing Jacob deGrom, pull up some of their highlights. Go look at their baseball stats from their prime. They were damn good pitchers. And it's a shame that we don't get to see them have the careers that we're lucky enough to be watching the tail end of in the Grankies, Kershaws, Scherzers, and Verlanders of the world. Lighten things up a little bit. We go to second base. Cincinnati was due. If you see, they were one of the biggest risers uh, in my rankings this week. They're in third place in a very bad division. But Ellie De La Cruz, the number four prospect from Baseball America, 6'5", switch-hitting shortstop with some serious pop, hits 112-mile-per-hour double for his first major league hit day two. He has a triple in a home run in a walk-off win against the Dodgers and Cincinnati baseball is back. This is an organization that has such a rich history. And I'm not talking just back to the big red machine. 
Cincinnati baseball has been a staple all the way back to the red legs and different crazy names from the 1800s of the world. And this fan base, you can see what that energy of a top prospect in winning baseball games that they're not supposed to win, what that does for that team. And I know they're looked at as prime sellers, Jonathan India and their other veterans. Joey Votto said in an interview that his baseball future is up in the air. He's not done yet. So he was asked what it feels like to play with one team and finish his career with one team. He said he's not done yet. So maybe Joey Votto goes ring chasing somewhere else. But this young core that the Reds are putting together, the fact that it has three legit pitchers at the top of the rotation with Ashcraft, Green, and Lodolo. I like to see this. We were robbed of O'Neill Cruz dominating baseball this year with that fractured ankle, but we get to see another six foot five shortstop named Cruz in the NL Central putting on a show, Statcast Monster. So fun to watch. He's got great energy. And you guys know 44 is my lucky number. Seeing Ellie De La Cruz wear that right the wrongs that Cincinnati feels from the Aristes Aquino days. It is just great. I am so happy for that fan base. Ellie De La Cruz, I hope, is going to be a Cincinnati Red for a long time. And start the kind of clumping of young talent that we've seen in the past when Kansas City had a lot of great young guys come up around the same time. We saw Houston do it. Chicago did it, and they were able to win championships. If the Cincinnati Reds are able to acquire some young talent, supplement it with some good veterans like we've seen in Pittsburgh this year with Carlos Santana, Rich Hill, and Andrew McCutcheon, I think that this team could be a sneaky World Series contender in the next five years. They just got to build this thing right. But Ellie De La Cruz, it's clear that that talent is a centerpiece of a championship team if you build the right team around them. Cincinnati fans, your prayers have been answered. You have some relevance. You have some energy. This isn't a wasted season anymore. You get to see these young players really find themselves and come together. And you're winning some games that you weren't projected to because you got nothing to lose. You're just trying to build a really proper roster. And I am just so happy for one of the best baseball towns in America. Throwback third base was especially hard this week. I feel like as we get into the dog days of summer, there's just going to be more and more historic moments. There's Ken Griffey Jr. joining the 600 home run club today. There's Tim Raines joining the 800 stolen basin club, which only has five members. He was the most recent member to join that club. And then you look at the catching position. There was so many amazing catching performances on this date in history. Seven for seven being the record from 1890. But we talked about him earlier in the show. And while I don't believe he deserves to be enshrined in Cooperstown personally, I think that he broke a clearly written rule. We've seen the Black Sox players long after they're dead still not get into the Hall of Fame, so I don't 
project Pete Rose to get in there. He is the all-time hit king. And today, in 1981, Pete Rose became the National League hit king, tying Stan Musial's record of 3,630 hits. What was amazing about Stan Musial is that he hit the same amount of hits at home and on the road. But Pete Rose, as a Philadelphia Philly, I couldn't continue the Cincinnati momentum, but for all intents and purposes, Pete Rose is a red. Hits off Nolan Ryan in this game to tie Stan Musial's record. Nolan Ryan would fan him the next three at-bats. Pete Rose was 40 years old, had 140 hits in the season just before baseball had its strike in 1981, where Pete Rose ended that season leading the league in hits. 1981, coming off that 80 World Series championship with the Phillies, getting a hit off one of baseball's most accomplished pitchers in Nolan Ryan. Just special for the hit king. And the fact that he did that at 40 years old, 3,630 hits, and that he still had another 620 in the back burner to beat Ty Cobb and set the mark at 42.56? Like, are you kidding me? We're never going to see that again. I I'm talking about how in today's game, the injuries and the time off, these guys aren't going to get the milestones of 300 wins and 3,000 3, hits, 3,000 strikeouts. 500 home runs is maybe the only one that looks like it's attainable. If you play long enough and you're hitting 15 to 30 home runs a year, you could get there. But Pete Rose, not just hitting 3,000 hits, but hitting 4,200? That is unbelievable. His 36-30 National League record that he broke, I don't think anybody's going to get there ever again. This is like Cy Young level stuff here. 512 wins, Cy Young. Like, are you kidding me? 511 wins, excuse me. But it is just insane to talk about Pete Rose. He didn't have the highest batting average. He didn't have the most power. But he didn't strike out a lot, at least in his early years. And he got on base. And when he got on pace, he hustled around the bases, earning the name Charlie Hustle. And I had to get Pete Rose's flowers today because when we're talking about the Cincinnati Reds finally having some hope, when we're talking about all these generational talents that aren't going to be able to have the longevity to reach milestones, you have to highlight the milestone that is the most generational. Tim Raines, 800. Super impressive. He actually did it against the Expos in a Yankee uniform, which is pretty funny to hear. Ken Griffey Jr. is a Cincinnati Red. Hit a 600th career home run. But it has to go to Pete Rose, Charlie Hustle. He may never be a Hall of Famer, but he will always be the hit king, not just in the NL, but all of baseball. 
I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We have an amazing weekend in the sport ahead of us. Red Sox-Yankees rivalry. The Sox took game one in a close one with no Aaron Judge. A very important series here for teams like Boston. You have the Angels and Mariners squaring off in the division, both behind Houston and Texas. Which, if one of those two teams performs badly in this series and the next one, maybe they turn into sellers. Maybe we see Shohei Otani gets traded. Maybe we see the Seattle Mariners unload some of their veterans. That kind of stuff is fun to watch, but the two best teams in the American League, Tampa Bay and the Texas Rangers, they're squaring off. The Rays took game one in pretty dominating fashion, but you get to see Nate Eovaldi pitching against them this weekend, who's been Texas's best pitcher, and you really get to see just how for real the Texas Rangers are and just how much better than everyone else the Tampa Bay Rays are. It's, it's a really good power struggle there to watch. There's a lot of great divisional series. You got the Cincinnati Reds who are on a hot streak against the Cardinals who are still fighting for their season. As long as they still got Arenado and Goldschmidt at the corners, I'm not going to put them in the bottom five. I don't care how low their record is in the national league, but it is just a shame to, uh, have all these games that you want to keep up with and not be able to watch it all. There's a ton of great pitchers going this weekend. And I just hope you guys really just take a moment and soak in all the amazing baseball as we continue to push into the summer, make sure you're voting for the all-star game. That voting is now open through MLB.com. There's a lot of great guys that are available, including Marcus Simeon, who I highlighted on last week's show. If you noticed, I left out the fact that he was on a 20-game hit streak. He finished at 25. Me personally, when somebody is on something that is that historic and that pressure-filled, I don't like to bring attention to it. I want it to just run its course. It would have been great to see Marcus Simeon push further for that record, but Jody's 56-game hitting streak is one of those things where I don't expect anyone to get there anytime soon. Thank you for watching and supporting. Please like, tell a friend. And for more baseball content, follow me on Twitter at DominicMana44 and on TikTok at Solo Shot Sports. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Happy Solo Shot Saturday, everybody.